0: Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast, where healthcare meets business with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litze. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litze, but not for today's podcast. So today's podcast, one of my fabulous guest hosts, Dr. Jenna Cantor, is back, and today she is interviewing Ms. Beatrice Cook. Beatrice has practiced physical therapy for over 47 years in all settings, from pediatrics to geriatrics. She is currently the Director of Rehabilitation for Team Care Rehab Incorporated in San Antonio, Texas where she supervises all rehab staff for the company, but continues to provide hands-on treatment, specializing in myofascial release approaches as taught by the renowned John Barnes. So today, they are talking about Beatrice's long career in physical therapy, how she got her start, why she was one of the founding members of the American Academy of Physical Therapy, her dedication to students, and the legacy that she will be leaving to so many generations of physical therapists. So big thank you to Jenna for a wonderful interview as always, and to Miss Beatrice Cook for her honesty and vulnerability in today's podcast. Enjoy everyone.
1: Hello and welcome to Healthy, Wealthy and Smart. This is Jenna Cantor. Grateful to be here with Miss Cook, a leader in physical therapy and one of the founders of the American Academy of Physical Therapy. And she was actually the person who organized the very, very first meeting for the American Academy. And I would love, uh, first of all, thank you so much, Miss Cook, for coming on to be interviewed.
2: Well, it's a great uh, opportunity to be here, and uh, my first name is Beatrice. It's okay to say my first name, Beatrice <laughs> Cook. So. Ms. Cook is fine, but they need to know who I am.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, you you are somebody who can inspire so many other physical therapists on uh, the amount that we can do to be a huge change in the profession, which anybody uh, watching or listening this will, will soon learn. So I would just love to hear a more background of your, your beginnings in physical therapy. And it's the simple question. What made you go
2: into physical therapy? Okay, you're gonna get a big laugh out of this. Uh, I used to watch this soap opera called The Doctors. And there was uh, this physical therapist on there with patients in the parallel bars. And I always knew I wanted to go into healthcare. I did not wanna be a nurse. And I really didn't know what it was gonna take to be a doctor, so I didn't even try for that. When I saw this one-on-one with this patient, I started exploring more about what physical therapy was. And that was the beginning of my interest in physical therapy.
1: Oh, I love that. That's so great. You never know what's going to lead you to what. That's incredible. And then when you were in physical therapy school, going into the professional world, did you envision Starting, being part of starting a huge, a hugely important organization?
2: No, because just trying to get into a physical therapy program was such a challenge. I grew up in Texas, I'm a native Texan, and there was, there, our, our percentage of black physical therapists was very low. At that time, you only had uh University of Texas Galveston branch. And it was part of the UT system, which really wasn't uh, that uh, friendly toward African-American students being in the program. So the only other program was Texas Woman's University, which ha- was the first program to offer a bachelor's degree. So I said, well, if I, if I start there and keep my grades up, I should be able to finish as a physical therapist. So I went into physical therapy school. I got married at the end of my sophomore year because my uh, husband, at that time, uh, was going to graduate school at Univer- at University of Michigan. So I tried to transfer into their program. Knowing what they required their junior year, I took those courses my sophomore year at Texas Woman's University, so that I'd have room for my foreign language requirement. Smart. And so I tried to get in, I went as far as doing an interview, and when I showed up, their excuse for not admitting me was that they didn't take transfers. So I don't know why they bothered to interview me. They knew I was from out of state. And, uh, but what I found out is that they had never had an African American student in that program. So after two years in Michigan, I returned to Texas Women's University to graduate. And I returned, had already had one child, and I was expecting my second child. I actually had my daughter during the Christmas break so that I could return to school to finish as a physical therapist. That's how determined I was. And so
1: was your baby. Your baby was like, we are gonna get it out at the appropriate time, the appropriate time. And thank my you, parents, teamwork.
2: And my parents, thank God, and may they both rest in, in peace, took care of my kids wow. so that I could finish because my then husband was still working on his PhD at that time. So I went through a lot just getting through PT school and I'm um, making sure I graduated. So, to answer your question, everything that has driven me has been to make sure that other therapists do not have to go through what I went through to try to finish. And that led me to um, uh, connecting with other uh, African American therapists in the state of Texas. And in 1987, that's when we formed the Texas Network of Minority Physical Therapists, which I was one of those founders. And uh, so we actually preceded uh, the American Academy of Physical Therapy. So because we had done such a great job with the Texas Network of Minority Physical Therapists, uh, for sponsoring continuing education courses, mentoring students, providing scholarships, uh, and, uh, and other things that we were doing, to, to, and just networking, uh, we had done such a great job in Texas and there, that uh, as, and there were other other states that had similar type of uh, programs. I know Chicago in the Illinois, they had a program for sure. And I think in Atlanta there were a network of, of African American physical therapists. So no, I had never thought about, I had never really dreamed about it back then. However, uh, when there there was much discussion about having a national black organization, and I don't know am I am I answering too much?
1: You know this is perfect. Okay. I, I know because there's so much history to share. Well, so it's easy okay. to it's easy to feel like it's getting sidetracked, but you are definitely get on on the track of what I'm I was asking on, which was a big question on how it, did you envision, did you expect to be leading, and so everything is is no. life is a journey. Yeah, you didn't expect it. You you're sharing with me right now, and and anybody who's listening or watching that. Uh, it's a very detailed story that, is, that got you to the point of putting together this organization. Before we go into more into the formal creation, how did you, and I don't even know if this was much discussion during your time back then, how did you take care of your mental health to be even in an okay state to even consider jumping into some sort of huge leadership position of a very important organization?
2: Well, I I love, I have always loved what I do, but I love the profession. So from the start, after I graduated from PT school, I joined uh, the uh, APTA, the American Physical Therapy Association. I was active on a state level, trying to be, trying to be. And I have to say that because even at that, I, uh, tried to run for a statewide office, because it was a position that nobody wanted anyway. So th- the support that I had was like, Beatrice, you'd be good as second vice president, please let us put your name down. And so they said, you should be a sure in nobody wants that position. Well, guess what, when they realized, I guess somebody realized my name was on the ballot and they put somebody else to run against me. And of course I did not win, and, but I continued to do my part and everything. So, you know, so along the way, and this was a time where there were just maybe two or three African Americans that would show up at the Texas Physical Therapy Association meeting. But I was a member of the national organization, and I continued to go to meetings. I continued to gather together with uh, other colleagues, uh, my first meeting being in Las Vegas, I will never forget that because that is where I met Dr. Linda Woodruff uh, and quite a few uh, other physical therapists on a national level. And at that time, um, during that, the early stages of development, I was just trying to get to know other African-American therapists. Was not looking into leadership in, in that capacity. At all you know because I I was raising a family yeah. working and had a troublesome marriage too so I had a lot going on but the professional physical therapy and the love I have for the profession just just really really kept me going and then after apparently years of African- Americans uh, therapist meeting during the national uh, APTA meetings. You know, we generally, there was generally a meeting in hell. Uh, it had been called Bits. It had been called Charms. And we'd get together and talk about what we needed and what we were not getting from the, the, the APTA. But what really hurt us was, and I will never forget it, it was the national meeting in Nashville when Leon Anderson Jr. was running from, for a board of directors and he was well qualified for the position. He had served as treasurer. He had served on different committees for APTA and because they were electing several board members, we just knew he would be one of them because he had served the organization for so well for so long and he lost he did not win as african american physical therapist you know trying to be loyal to that organization it hurt us so bad because we said if leon anderson could not get elected to the board what chance did the rest of us have right because he had paid his dues and it was at that meeting uh, that june of 1989 we sat in that sweet. and I can remember the various people that were in that room: B. V. Clemens, uh, Linda Woodruff, uh, oh God, Roberta Cogman, uh, Charlene Porte, and a number of others. And we sat there and said, "Enough is enough. We've got to. We have got to organize our own organization to meet our needs and the needs of our community." And that's where we decided at that point, enough's enough. And so, because of me being the organizer of the the Texas Network of Minority Physical Therapists, I said, well, if you're serious, I'll be glad to.
1: You already knew (laughs) from all your hardship and trying to get in there,
2: like all your
1: pains, you already knew. so so
2: I'll be glad to to get this going. And also, uh, I was uh, active uh, in my community, on different levels and i said yeah i can do this and i know my that's one of my gifts is is being an organizer uh, as a result of that i've i've had my own um, destination management company i was just always good at organizing and planks <laughs> oh and planks <laughs> i try to stay in shape i mean at, at what what am i 71 years old i try to stay in shape oh yeah so You're doing a great uh, job they said yes okay just tell us what we need to do i said well let me get back and start jotting some things down and i said but we you know we need some some seed money because you know there are some things we're gonna have to pay for and um basically i sent out um information to uh, i had a list of therapists anyway and somehow got the word out that we were trying to organize and there were people that sent in um monies for helping us get organized and if i if i remember correctly uh because it's been almost 35 years but i think it was a hundred dollars which really wasn't much but there that was uh, definitely um in 1989
1: worth more than it <laughs> right. is now yes
2: right and leon anderson robert babbs uh robert McNeil, Leonard Woodruff, and myself were the founders. Th- those are the people that sent in the 500. Now, actually, and it may very well have been B.V. Clements as well, uh, I'd have to really go back to my notes because B.V. was definitely one of the founding officers. So, and, and I'm pretty sure if I asked B.V. for money, he, he sent it. So I'm going to include him in that bunch. And all of the other therapists that we sent this information out to about the meeting. You know, I connected with the hotel, set up a meeting room, and it was the Marriott uh, O'Hare. You did it up,
1: uh, first we kept meeting. It, yes, we this. kept it
2: right there at the airport so that people could fly in. Nice. You know, didn't have to go too far. You know, try to catch the shuttle or whatever. And um, and I had all the come, you know, coming to me, because we remember, we did not have an organization or <laughs> treasury at that time, but I had to take care of business. People trusted me. They, they knew it was for a cause. And we had uh, 82 people to show up for that meeting and 13 other people that paid the same amount because we asked for a certain amount and people paid it. And they uh, so there were people that did not come, but they sent the money to support. And that first meeting it was one weekend, but in that one weekend it's so amazing because
1: Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Friday,
2: Saturday, and we finished up on Sunday and left. Mm-hmm. But again, people that arrived, I had an agenda. Uh, with the help of Dr. Linda Woodruff. We made an agenda for the first meeting, and from there we took off. And when I say we covered everything, <laughs> we, Doc, Dr. Woodruff came with, talking about the kind of committees that we needed, and at that meeting, the committees formed there at that, that Friday. We had committee people to form, and they got a chance to meet. They had assignments. You know, we had a bylaws committee, we had a membership committee. We set up committees all in that first meeting. Came up with bylaws. The bylaw committee came up with bylaws. We left that meeting with a mission statement, bylaws, officers, and by the way, that's how I became the uh, charter treasurer, was because (laughs) I was already handling the it was, money. It,
1: it, very organically.
2: Yes. Yeah, I was already handling the money. <laughs> and within the next uh, couple of months, Robert Babbs Jr. of Illinois, of Chicago, Illinois, took care of getting the organization incorporated. All that was taken care of. But that weekend, when I think back, and honestly, recently I was looking at my original notes and organizing uh, outline that I hand-wrote for that meeting. I'm like, oh, wow. And I was amazed myself at... And it, it had who the committee members were and what committees they were on. I was so amazed at how much we got done in one weekend. Yeah,
1: that's incredible. It, that's it incredible. was It was incredible.
2: Yeah. Oh, by the way, Charlene Porte came with several designs that she had done for the logo. Oh, she was the one that came with the logo. Charlene Porte. And we all agreed we liked that. The one that we we used, that's the one we agreed on. But she came prepared at that meeting with a possible logo. She had three, about, about three designs. But that was the one that we all loved.
1: Perfect.
2: And that's why I, I fight hard to keep it. Because Absolutely. it meant so much. Those, those three colors, black, red, and green. As African Americans, we knew what those colors uh, yes. stood for. And uh, so that arrow going up, I mean, all of that. That was uh, Dr. Charlene Porte's design. So we left that meeting excited, uh, determined, because as a national organization, we just felt that number one, things just were not getting done with the APTA, American right. Academy of Physical Therapy. And we felt that we needed to we, we needed so much done for our students, trying to bring more people into the profession, more African Americans into the profession, trying to mentor students, trying to help with the uh, disparities in health care, trying to uh, improve the services in our community. And we just, we felt an urgency about it. We felt that we can't wait till other people decide that they're going to help us. If it's, if it's to be done, we have to do it. Right. And that is why it doesn't bother me now that there are other organizations out there that happen to be... Uh, African-American physical therapists that have, you know, they've formed. Right. Uh, the, I, you know, they might even be trying to reinvent the wheel. I don't even care. I just know the mission that we have and the impact that we have had on students uh, ha- has been amazing. And and the networking opportunities. And and I'm, I'm going to give you this one example. Hope I'm not going off too much, but I'm going to give you this one example. We had a student in Texas, African American male, that was trying to get into a PT program in Texas. And I guess this happened probably about 15, 20 years ago. Time just flies. So, this particular student had been a physical therapy aide or technician with the company that I worked for. So, I knew this student and how good of a person he was and just just how he was and I was encouraging him to go to PT school as opposed to I think he was saying kinesiology he wanted to do this I and I said what are you going to do with kinesiology you need to go into physical therapy and this is when uh, it was still a bachelor's program now it might have been it was a master's by then because I actually served in the house of delegates when we voted for mm-hmm. the master's so it was master's by then so I set out to um, help this student get into a program. So I said, well, okay, you've got good grades. This, sh- this shouldn't be a problem. So he uh, applied at several programs in Texas. And one of the programs was uh, University of Texas uh, Health Science Center in San Antonio. Well, it just so happened that year, the American Academy of Physical Therapy, we had our national convention.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In San Antonio, and the professor, uh, the the head of that program, came to our meeting, and so, and I and I found out from the student that he had not been accepted. So I just straight up and asked the head of that program. I said, um, I understand that you had a student to apply, a young man to apply, uh, in your program, but you didn't accept him. And by the way, I had seen the student's transcript, so I knew he had the grades. Hmm. And uh, so I asked him, um, what was the problem with not admitting this young man? Because not only uh, was he a good student, uh, he had the experience of working in a physical therapy department. You know? So it wasn't about volunteering. He had actually worked with us. So, um, and I've kind of been advising him, so could you tell me what the problem was with his admission? And the guy kind of stuttered. (laughs) He said, well, it was something about his grades. I said, well, what was it? Because I saw his transcript. So grades could not have been a factor. And the guy just couldn't say anything. But because this guy, this student needed to be in a program, I called Dr. Linda Woodruff, and I and she was head of the program in North Georgia College. I, I can never pronounce where it's from, but she was there. And I said, look, I have a student that needs to be in somebody's PT program. He he is really going to make us proud in the profession. Absolutely. And she said, well, he'll probably need some money. I said, I don't doubt that. I said, but we got to get him in. I said, can you get him in? So I just told him to go ahead on and apply. She said, well, let me see what we can do. But if y'all can send him any kind of money. So at that time, we still had the Texas Network of Minority Physical Therapists where we raise money for scholarships. Okay. So whatever monies we had available, it was a little over $1,000 at that time. I, con- I I communicated with the Texas Network and told them what the situation was. And I said, we need to... Support this student, and uh, we sent a check for a thousand dollars to the college. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Wood, I mean, Woodruff, they admitted him in. He graduated. You know, he he became a physical therapist. And his name was his name was Kenneth Dawes D A W E S. Kenneth graduated. Got his first job. and he uh, he sent me his first paycheck to try to pay us back. I told him he didn't have to do that. But he was so thankful. And I, and I just gave it back to the Texas network. But that's that's what it was about. It's always been about the students. It's always been about being there for them. And that's the best example I can give. And because of that, students have always been near and dear to me. I have worked hard over the years. I was a treasurer for two terms. I was conference chair for like 10 years. So uh, and because I was a member of the uh, Uh, National Coalition of Black Meeting Planners, I knew a lot about planning meetings and destinations and places to go and and, and how to bargain with hotels and uh, how to negotiate, that's the word, how to negotiate with hotels. and uh, Even uh, uh, the first out-of-the-country trip was a a meeting was at St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. I love it. And we, we went there and I think that was after nine years, that's where we went. And we've always uh, worked at having great speakers, you know, congresspeople. You know, Congressman John Lewis was one of our speakers at one of our meetings. Uh, the book writer, Anita Buckley, was one of our speakers. Of course, everybody wanted to speak when we went to the Virgin Islands. And that is what just just kept me going. Uh, in terms of working with the organization. And that's why certain little things, it may seem like a little thing, and I know I made a big deal about the logo, but I needed people to understand the history of where that came from. And the involvement with uh, this organization, knowing the impact and, and the type of courses, we have always offered top-notch continuing education courses. And I feel strongly that the other organizations would only bring us in to talk about diversity. You don't have to bring me in to talk about diversity. If I show up, I'm diverse. Let me talk, you know, we have speakers that can talk about anything. So we have been given quality continuing education from the time we started, you know. so. At this stage of my life, I'm just trying to continue to reach back and, and help students. I'm still a clinical instructor. I'm still practicing physical therapy. Uh, I'm in my, uh, it's been over 47 years. Uh, I'm 71. I have no intentions of retiring anytime soon because I like working with patients and working with students. So, uh, and again, I was always active in my community. I mean, I I was YWCA board president in San Antonio where we did fundraisers, bringing in Dr. Maya Angelou and Felicia Rashad. Uh, I chaired the city transportation board and there were just a number, a numerous boards that i worked on uh, in terms of the community itself. But my heart has always been with physical therapy and physical therapy students and young therapists trying to help them and guide them with their careers. And and we're talking generational gaps here and changes. But as we heard the first night here, the problems are still the same. They're still there. There are still students feeling isolated and uh, lonely and, and no place to go and being treated differently when they get hired. I went through that. My very first job, when I was trying to find my very first job, I um, there was a place in the medical, in Houston, said they had a job opening and for me to come and interview. And I had the nerve to show up in black skin. I got to that interview and suddenly they didn't have a job available. Uh, fortunately, uh, St. Luke's Hospital in the Medical Center gave me a job, gave me my first job. But I, what I'm saying is, the problem, the same problems are still there today. That were there 35, almost well, 34, 35 years ago. And it's important for people to understand our history. And for the larger organization to stop with the lip service. I served as chair of the Advisory Council on Minority Affairs for APTA. I mean, we fought hard for little things. And, and that was one of the reasons we started our organization, because we were tired of crimes. It's like, you know, we know what we're capable of. You don't, but we know. And it's high time we use our expertise to help our own, and that's what it's about.
1: What words? What, what words do you have to any final words that do you have to any students struggling right now, or even interested in the profession? So students at large, uh, yeah.
2: Well, the the first thing I'd like to say to the students is to. Number one, if you can find any physical therapist within your area that are African American physical therapists, try to contact them uh, because they will be glad to mentor you. The second thing I like to, and I always start locally, but then you need to Google the uh, the the website for the American Physical Therapy Association. Uh, for the American. Uh, American Academy of Physical Therapy.
1: Which is AmericanAcademyPT.org.
2: Yes. And you will find lots of information there. And last but not least, I'm easy to find. I have no problems with students calling me directly. And I'm area code 210 238-8517. And if you Identify as a, a student that's interested in physical therapy, or that you are a physical therapy student, or you just want to talk to somebody, I am available. You can also find me on Facebook, Beatrice Cook. Uh, and I, I've actually had students to contact me. I have some I've never met because I love students. I love students. And uh, I hope that. Uh, more and more students will reach out to us because we would love to help you. We, we really would. But I, I guess you can see my passion for the profession.
1: I can't thank you enough for this interview. This has meant so much. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for asking.
0: Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.